0: Uh, especially for the past three years, I haven't had to put more than about an hour a month into the business, and it continues to grow. And this year, um, we are on track to do about three hundred, a little over three hundred thousand dollars worth of sales.
1: Yeah. Welcome back to another week of Talking with Experts podcast with myself, Chris Cowden, and John Batty. In today's episode we're going to be talking about how to make your brand image and message hyper consistent by following some really basic strategies in your marketing and branding. Plus John is going to share his process on how he automated his business and scaled his business to six figures in less than six years. Okay, hey, so thank you John for joining me on this week's episode of talking with experts. It's great to have you on as a specialist in web design, uh, marketing, branding, And also in scaling businesses, I I don't think I've had anybody on yet that has got a, uh, who has a business that you don't, where you don't have to spend too much time on it. So I really want to uh, deep dive into your success there and talk about brand positioning, uh, outbound marketing, content marketing, and so forth. But first, I want, I want uh, everybody to know who you are. Um, Tell me something nobody really knows about you and we'll we'll get started from there
0: something that nobody really knows about me
1: yes so a random fact
0: yeah um well that's uh it's a little tricky because i talk about myself all the time i'm a pretty open book but um you know typically when somebody asks something like that i'll i'll just reply with my my go-to is uh I make a living selling bobbleheads.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I I guess uh, you started Batty Bargains for bobbleheads, or yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So
0: Batty Bargains was uh, yeah, was all was all bobbleheads, and I, I got the bobbleheads just as a joke. I was trying to do imported like Mexican and Guatemalan goods, but uh, but the bobbleheads are what stuck. You know, I yeah, I got them as a joke, but. Uh, and, and everybody, everybody
1: bought them yeah well that's great and now it's now it's fully automated and um you it sounds like you're doing really successful with that can you can you tell me more how how, how you form the business and how it's going right now
0: yeah yeah so um so i live in in utah in the united states and uh in my little town um uh, it's kind of a small town we are very oil-based it's an oil and gas town. And so the whole town kind of booms and busts with the price of gas and the price of oil. And so I had just moved back to town in, it was December of 2014. And the price of gas had like crashed almost overnight. And so there were just thousands of people in my small town who were laid off. Uh, it, it's a town of like 20... 20 some odd thousand people you know it fluctuates quite a bit but when I applied for a job right after moving back I applied for a job making like $14 an hour and there was over a thousand applicants wow and uh so I you know I I knew that I wasn't going to get the job working for somebody else and so it kind of prompted me into doing my own thing kind of kind of forced my hand a little bit um I, I had studied some marketing uh, at, the, at the time. I, I had studied especially quite a bit of search engine optimization. And so I was confident that I could get, that I could sell um, products. But I had never done anything like it before. And so I just went and found some wholesale. I found a wholesaler. They, they did Mexican and Guatemalan imports. And I just said, you know what? Uh, you know, if I, if I get these, I got a bunch of products I thought were really cool i was like you know i know people like them so i know i'll be able to sell them um i just have to you know if i just do the search engine thing right
1: yes so so how did i know so you didn't you had a little bit of experience in seo what what made what why i know and then the bobbleheads they are really popular way where, where you're from Um uh, how did you find the courage to continue on that path and what is it that really got you interested in that um, e-commerce business?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, my, my only experience with search engine optimization is for about eight weeks, I had, I ran a little blog. So it was, it was before I had left town. So, so I, I, I had ran a, I ran a little blog for just a couple of months and then I actually went on like a, a religious a mission service, a service mm-hmm. mission. And so I was gone and didn't really have access to the internet or anything for two years. And then so I really had very little experience of, of anything. And, and really it was a mix of, yeah, I mean, honestly dude a lot of it was just desperation, you know. I, I think that the human race is amazing. And if we will, you know, I know it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. If we'll set our minds to something, we can certainly accomplish, we can certainly accomplish it, you know? Yeah. And so if if you're willing to seek help, you you can do all sorts of things, but, but yeah, I mean, it it was, a lot of it was just, just desperation. I didn't really have much in the way of other options. I mean, I, I could have moved, but I just didn't. I didn't feel right about it. And I am a kind of a go with my gut kind of guy. And I felt really prompted. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a somewhat religious person and I felt like I felt really prompted to stay. And so if I was going to stay, I had to make something work.
1: Yeah. And, and I think for the people that are listening, um, they, they don't know how successful the business is. Uh, you, you, you're underselling your, I guess <laughs> you, you have made a very, success you you've got a really successful business of it so maybe just to tell people how successful it is doing so that they can get an idea of what you've created for yourself
0: yeah 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 um so it's a. Uh... Um, it, it's not a large business, but it, we do a decent volume. So my first year, we did something like—I don't remember the exact numbers now—but something like twenty thousand dollars in in sales, which was enough for me to make up my startup costs and, and not a lot, not a lot more. Um, but since then, because our strategy, our marketing strategy has primarily been like search engine optimization stuff, and our whole, our strategy, my strategy with the whole business has just been automate. Um, I, I have gone from, it took a lot of time starting up, but in the past six years, especially for the past three years, I haven't had to put more than about an hour a month into the business and it continues to grow. And this year, um, we are on track to do about 300, a little over $300,000 worth of sales. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So In, again, and and I I don't even spend an hour a month on it now. I actually have that. Uh, I it, it I have I have a manager who just works a few hours a week on it, and and that is all it all it takes. And uh, it's this it's stuff that so before my I had a the, the last person I had before this manager was a, my little sister who was doing it. She's like thir- She was thirteen at the time, and she was able to handle everything
1: just
0: fine it's so easy a monkey could do it yeah
1: so that's great so you have a lot to share with um, my audience today about how to scale a business because everybody wants to get to that stage where they have a successful business it might take five years might take 10 years might take even longer than that but to have a business that runs itself is what gives you time freedom so I would like to know what would be the first step for somebody who wants to um, invest in a team and start scaling their business? What would be the first step that they do in your opinion?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So the first thing, um, I mean, the first thing is you've got to have a good product, product or service. Right. And uh, if you, if you don't have, if you don't have a good way to help people, you uh you can't and shouldn't make any money right if if you don't have a good way to help people then you're just robbing you know you might as well just go you know just just go scam people out of their money Mm -hmm. so step step on get a good product and and get a good service if you want something scalable you either have to be able to automate or delegate it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so Um, but I I think that a big, uh, I think that a big problem, you you know, my, my story with Maddie Bargains is, is somewhat easy because I was able to, e-commerce is really easy to automate. Right. And so in that, in that sense, it's really easy to work yourself out, but before you can scale a business, you have to grow a business. And, and so, um, and what, you know, what, what I mean by that is, uh, you can't work yourself out of the system until you build a system that works. So, once you once you have your product or service, mm-hmm. your next step before you start worrying about automating anything, your next step is to get a an effective way of communicating the value. In in the case of Batty Bargains, it was largely um, it was search engine optimization and search engine ads because when somebody was looking for something, I could, um, I could show, you know, I I could show up and then I could, I could basically just I had an opportunity to sell myself, right? So my I did that. That was the biggest thing, that the the biggest time sink when I was starting Bounty Bargains was copywriting because on every listing I had to have a lot of information about the product. Um, and it needed to be compelling and it needed to be uh, the the strategy our brand took was very fun and jovial you know we joke around a lot in our listings but they had to be very um, you know well worded and compelling so that when people read them they wanted to buy to buy yes
1: because they were bubble heads
0: right yeah and yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure what you know, you, you mentioned that maybe they're more popular out here. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think I have a very niche market. And pretty much everybody who who hears about what I'm doing is like, what the heck? Who would buy that? Really?
1: <laughs> so so what kind of bobbleheads are they?
0: <laughs> it's uh it's bobblehead animals. So like the first one I stopped was a bobblehead chihuahua.
1: So only for people that are that have a chihuahua dog would want them
0: yeah that's probably that's probably mostly who who it's appealing to you know i have some like exotic candles like moose and bears and but yeah i think i think a lot of them are just you know pet owners who want something like their pet to go on their dashboard or
1: and they are they're not expensive are they they're really really cheap so to have three 300 in sales this year or last year well yeah was massive you must yeah. have sold, I don't know how many thousands, but you must have sold a lot.
0: Yeah. So they're they're right around our averages of right around it's not about $9 a piece. So, you know, you, you yeah. do the math. It's, yeah, it's a lot of math. money.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. So, um, so people need a product, they need a service, and they need to be able to prove that it's a growable business before they, they start considering scaling with yeah and and,
0: and then the the last the, yeah so you so you've got it you've got to have a product or service you've got to have a way to get the word out and show the value right or you, you got i guess you've got to show the value first and then get the word out um but i think i think the biggest thing that people miss when they talk about scaling a business is people don't understand that it takes your for for most businesses, your prices are going to be much higher um, once you're scaling than you could support while you're starting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people try to keep prices low when they start, and I I um I generally like I would steer a business owner away from that because um take, so take Amazon for for example, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon is a huge company and. Um, we get this idea that because they're so big, they can do really low prices and that sort of thing. Yes, um, which is which is true, which is true. But if you take Amazon's annual revenue and you divide it per employee, yes. it's about five hundred thousand dollars per employee, and they only operate at a four percent profit margin, right? So if each employee brings in, you know, if you lower that by four percent, so if you lower that by, you know, twenty thousand dollars, if, if each employee only brings in four hundred and eighty thousand dollars, Amazon goes out of business. Mm. Right. So so we we pricing we are like, you know, we can I can survive off of however many, you know, however much money per month, and if I double that, then I can bring somebody else on and then start to replace myself. That's it's just not true. Your, your prices are going to rise beyond just, you know, your your prices are never going to be as low as when you're a solopreneur.
1: Yes. So so
0: you've got to build that into your pricing. If you, if you ever want to scale, you have to have scalable pricing where your, your, your cost isn't just tied to the number of hours you put in and, and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So maybe scaling for some small business owners, isn't the best solution for them. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know, and a lot of
1: us, a lot of us just try to scale too early, Um,
0: build a solid foundation and then start uh, and then start automating and outsourcing. Automation is so cool and there is so much you can do with it. And with, you know, when we build websites and that sort of thing, we're helping our clients set up a lot of that. But if you're trying to automate too soon, The thing with automation is it takes a lot of time up front. You're going to spend Mm -hmm. a lot more time automating a task than it would take to do it manually once, twice, probably 10 or more times. And so it's a a bigger initial investment for a longer term payout. But if you're investing in something that's not proven and that you don't know if it's going to be good for your business, you're way more likely to just be spinning your reels, spinning your reels, spinning your reels, and not actually getting real traction in your business.
1: Yes. And, um, and how does somebody get, uh, traction in their business without automating?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've got to have a price that makes it worth your time and to, to do it, uh, manually and you've got to have, right. So, so if I, if I just spend my whole day shipping bobbleheads, mm-hmm. um, I'm still going to be making like several hundred dollars an hour, right? Yes. And, and so I, I set it up so that so that I was making good money before I automated, right? If I would have factored into my cost that I wasn't going to be spending any time right from the start, and I would have made that my price, I, I would have had a much harder time um, growing to somewhere healthy. So, so I think you need to find somewhere where your margins are high enough that you can you
1: can yeah. actually grow a grow a healthy business. And then. Yeah. You know. So, so it's not about rushing the growing process or scaling processes, just about doing what you can now and then working out, Oh, this is what I can automate. This is what I can automate. But again, yes. right at the beginning of the journey, it's, it's not really that important to automate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, uh, so I, I call it shiny object syndrome, right? Yes. It's, it's flashy, it's cool, and it's going to be a great thing for your business long-term, but it's diverting your energy from the things that are really important, which at the start is just getting a good product or service and Mark, I mean, marketing it. Right.
1: Yes. And you talk a lot about outbound marketing. Uh, what, and you talk a lot about SEO and website design and app development and uh, yeah. social media marketing. what for somebody that is manually growing their business now, um, what do you think is the most important thing to focus on?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. and And that that is, I think, the hardest thing that entrepreneurs struggle with is just knowing what to focus on um, at at any given point in time. Um, so the path to growing a healthy business is very different for a, uh, a high ticket or low ticket business, and there there's some nuances for doing you know products versus services. But in general, you should you should um, you should solve problems. Yeah, the order to solve problems in is really important. The first thing you should, you should be looking to solve as far as like getting the word out there, that sort of thing, is get your, get your message in place. So I, I, this is a problem I see a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs do. They rush out and build a funnel or they build a website um, before they've proven their product or service or their offer or their message. Yeah. And so what that, what that ends up being like is, you know, we, we, we have this cool idea that's really cool to us, right? Just like me with Batty Bargains with selling Mexican and Guatemalan imported goods. I thought it was really cool. And so I dove right in, but really what the market wanted was the bobbleheads.
1: Yes, not the if website. I would,
0: if I would have built my website right out the gate, I would have wasted, you know, however much time it took me to build a website, you know? At the time, it would have been quite a bit. I wasn't very fast. It probably would have been 20 or 30 hours. And that would have totally been wasted when I found out that none of the things that I was excited about, my market was excited about. And so by just... So so, I started on third-party platforms because it's it's a lot... You can start a lot leaner, right? And so mm-hmm. I started solely on Amazon. I didn't do my first... I didn't do my own website until... Again, I had proven my product and and my message. I knew yes. people wanted it. I knew that my copy was working. And then I built my own site. And, you know, it, it saved me. Who, who knows how many hours and thousands of dollars.
1: So it's, it's about finding the right... Well, you just said about third-party platforms. So for somebody out there that... Is trying to grow an e-commerce business maybe the first thing isn't creating a, a spotify store or is it a not spotify Shop, shopify store that's third party would you recommend somebody instead of creating their own website they go to shopify uh, no 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 yeah um
0: i i so shopify is really going to be similar to Uh, any other site you build where you've got to build it, you've got to design it, you've got to uh, drive traffic to it yourself. Um, Start on, your profit margins are going to be lower again, but start on Amazon, eBay, uh, Alibaba, uh, Wish, Mm or Walmart.com. You know, all of these are are platforms that I, um, that I've sold on. Um, Yeah, start there because So like, you know, every bit of work I do to get a listing up on Amazon or eBay or any of these third party platforms is completely transferable to my website. Mm -hmm. And so you have no additional work and you, you, before you put in all the work of um, setting up ads, setting up a website, um, you have proven that the product is going to be successful because those platforms are going to drive traffic for you.
1: Yes, they already have a. They have a. They built a large business of selling e-commerce products, and they're they're driving traffic for you. That's smart. Yeah. Right.
0: So yeah, and that's in general when you're starting or or trying to grow a business, um, just solve. So it's the it's the spiral methodology. You want to solve a problem in a way that puts the likelihood of failure at at the front so if a product is going to sell it will sell on amazon right mm-hmm. and so if i can if if i can if i if i can make a product successful on amazon then i know i can make it successful everywhere else if a product fails on amazon then it is probably going to it, there's a high likelihood it would fail other places as well, and so by failing with failing at the earliest and cheapest opportunity, I you know I I've, I've saved myself a ton of, of work and effort, and and I think in business that's just something that we should really pursue, right? Um, we want to identify the most likely places for failure, and we want to sprint towards those because if we if we're failing early and failing often and failing forward then we're you know our failures are a lot less devastating and a lot less expensive
1: yeah and failing cheaply but you just said failing um without without too much cost and you get costs with automated or jumping in yes. too early yes so that's yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's a good piece of knowledge so there.
0: so flipping it and looking at service service oriented businesses. Um, I would do the same thing. I would not start my own website. I wouldn't build my own website or, or anything until I had gone through, um, you know, crafting message, messaging and, and positioning. And so what we actually get, what we actually work with our clients on is um, just using like social media platforms. And there's some really effective, uh, really effective ways you can get clients on social media. And at, a lot of times at first, you're actually going to have an easier time. And this is con- this is counterintuitive to a lot of people, but you'll actually have an easier time selling something before you have a website up.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so what kind of um, techniques or um, what, yeah. What kind of techniques are you using to, to get clients from social media?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, in Social media works so well for this sort of thing because all marketing, you really need an inbound channel and an outbound channel. And with a social media network like Facebook or LinkedIn, you really have both of them pre-built. So for inbound marketing, where we're doing content marketing, right? On your profile or on your page, you are um you're putting out regular content, you're teaching, you're sharing value, and you are calling people to action right Mm -hmm. you're inviting people to come and work for you and learn more about what you're doing and that sort of thing um but so so you know if you're using a a personal facebook profile which is i think the best way to start for most businesses um most of the people hearing are not in your target market right most of them are just personal acquaintances or friends at the start Yep. yep Um, but that is your inbound channel, and when people come and look at your profile, if they're in your target market, um, there's content there for them that they can consume, and if your messaging is compelling, you, you know, you can, you can book calls and make sales. And then for outbound marketing, you've just got to, you've got to leverage the platform's way of connecting with people who aren't, who aren't your friends, right? So on Facebook, that is groups. And so we're we're going and we're testing messaging in groups where uh, again it's a content approach. You're sharing a lot of value and ideas, and then the people who interact with you in there you you connect with them. you, know, you send them a friend request. Yes. And then um, and then they come. So you you never sold you never you never wrote an ad. You never pitched them on anything in your group outreach. But then when they come to you and they see everything you talk about, they see your call action there and they wanna learn more.
1: Yes, so you've got to be, if you want to use outbound marketing, you've got to be really consistent with uh, posting in groups or um, yeah, posting in groups. Is there another way that you could use outbound? I did, when I was looking through the Facebook marketplace last night, I saw quite a few um, influencers that had ads in there, so it was it was a smart placement. But um, are there any other strategies that you could give away today
0: uh, for for outbound marketing on on a social media platform? Yes. Um, you know, pro- probably not. I mean, honestly it's it's really the idea here is simplicity right we just need a way to solve the our problem of testing to make sure our messaging works and and again it's we're just going for the easiest way to get our messages seen by people and so um every every social media platform has some different some different methods, right? On on LinkedIn, you can share posts, but actually, a lot of people don't really spend time on on posts. So, uh, you know, you, you want to do some some articles and that sort of thing. But but on LinkedIn, it's pretty normal to just reach out to somebody without a group, and so that's mm-hmm. that's obviously a lot easier there, you know. Um, but but at, at the end of the day, so on Instagram. I guess I'll share this one because this one is a little bit different. On Instagram, um, really, what what outbound marketing looks like is searching by hashtag finding people in fields that are related to your the need that your target market you know the problems you solve the people you solve problems for, um and then just just uh just harding their harding their content and and following them on there and that's yeah. really that's really the only way to get attention on
1: yeah i i um, always i always ask this question and trying to drive more information out. But all the time, my experts are saying, just keep it simple. Do what works and do it over and over and over and over again. Just keep it simple. And that's exactly what you just said. So I'm glad that you couldn't find any other answers or strategies because those ones work for you. Those ones work for the rest of the people that I've spoken to. And why change something when it's already working? Right. Yeah.
0: Yep. And, and the, the strategy thing really gets fun when you, I mean, because as you master the fundamentals, then you can get more complicated, right? Then you can try different things, then you can start to turn on ads, um, you know, yep. but you've already proven, you've already proven your message and so you've, you, you so if, if an ad's going to fail, it's going to be in the messaging, right? if. if and, and so you, again, have rushed towards that failure. You've found it in the cheapest and fastest way possible. And then once you've proven a message, it's super easy to turn on an ad on, you know, even the same platform targeting the same people and, and see
1: results. And, and how important is it to be consistent on your profile page as, uh, and, and consistent in other groups? How important is it to be like to increase brand loyalty?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Consistency is essential. Consistency is the the heart of of branding, right? Um, so, I, one of my favorite uh, stats and studies to share: Forbes did a study on small and medium businesses. Small, me, you know, uh, small and medium businesses being anything that's making under let's see, I think their I think their cutoff was seventy five million a year or, or fifty million a year, somewhere in there. And they found that all of these all of these businesses could increase their revenue by 24% simply by making their branding consistent on all of their on all their channels, right? On all, all of their social media networks and their website, it all matches. They didn't even have them change anything, right? That's not a logo redesign. That's not that, you know, that's not changing anything. That's just making sure everything's consistent. And um, if, if you want, if, if you want any kind of brand, you.
1: So what, what would you say is, uh, staying consistent? Is it the colors have to be the same? The logo has to be in the same place. Um, the, or does it go deeper than that?
0: Well, so that it absolutely does go deeper at, at a surface level. When you talk about brand image and when, when I say branding, most people are th- most people just think brand image, right? When you talk about brand image, um, you want consistent colors and you want a, a consistent looking logo. And so actually to get that, we, we often have our customers develop a few different logos because your logo is going to have to be in different places on on the design or page or something. And so yep. if you have a logo in a couple of different formats, you can actually make it more consistent Um, as far as the way it actually looks so but but yeah consistent logo is important and consistent coloring coloring is huge as far as brand image goes and and probably honestly a lot more important than your than even your logo but the the one on the brand image that most people miss is actually consistent fonts Mm. You, you should pick Two fonts is a font pair, and any, any sort of design resource will, will give you guidance on font pairing. There's some interesting nuances, but it's not really a super complicated science. You should have a font pair for your brand that you use everywhere. And anytime it looks good at all with whatever design you're doing, you should be using the exact same fonts. And, and it it takes all of your designs to a, to a whole new level, it, and it makes it way more consistent looking
1: yeah um, and i know in your in our conversations previously you and in the notes that uh, you prepared before the session you spoke about uh bat uh, like a brand bible what yes what is yes. the brand bible
0: yeah so that is that's a tool that my team and I developed that I mean I, I it, the, we didn't develop the concept obviously there's there's this sort of thing has, has been in place for a long time but um we developed a brand bible for ourselves and it saved us a ton of time and effort and just made everything super consistent so what what our brand bible looks like is anything that we want to be consistent we put in there so um we actually have, so we have like our name and ways that you can write out our name so that, you know, like a lot of times people will just abbreviate a name and we have like approved abbreviations that we can use in our material. But then a lot of times, um, yeah, so the, no, the, then in our brand Bible, we'll also have like a slogan and our some of the different elements of our messaging framework. But then we have a color palette. Mm-hmm. And we have it set up so that you can one-click copy any, any one of the colors, and then you can just paste it into whatever program you're using. So whether it's one of us or whether we hire a freelancer, we outsource it, um, we just send, we send one link, and it has the colors, it has the font files, it has the logo files um, for both print and for web, and, and so we send one link and the artist has everything that they need to make our to bring our branding into whatever they're building or designing for us.
1: Yeah, that, and I and I I'm sure I when I've done a video for somebody before, I think it might I've been even for a charity before. They gave me all their palettes uh, for um, colors they specifically wanted uh, and that made sure that their branding was consistent. So that is very important. And I think I definitely will need to create a brand Bible at some point.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely worth doing.
1: Is there anything else you think that is important uh, for people that are looking to grow their business or are struggling with content marketing? Well, what advice is on the, is, is on your mind right now?
0: Yeah. So the big things on, on, on my mind. Um, so I, I started a bunch of different businesses in between Batty Bargains and uh, Doosmas, which is where we do marketing and branding consulting. Um, and all of them were successful. Like I made my money back, but uh, you know I, obviously they weren't worth my time enough to, uh, you know, to, to continue most of them. Um, and looking back, the place I, I always failed... Was actually in uh, it, it was in the early stages of branding that actually gets generally ignored and left to luck, mm-hmm. and and so um, I want to just touch briefly on on those. This is this is where you should start any of your marketing strategy, brand strategy, really business strategy, um, and and it really will save you. Uh, a lot of pain and heartache. And again, it's kind of that, that idea of rushing towards failure, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know,
0: if, if a business idea is going to fail, it's going to be in this section. And so just get, get it right out of the way and do it first. Um, we always tell our clients to start with your purpose. Yes. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of different material on this and that sort of thing. One of the books that we recommend to a lot of people wanting to learn more about this is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And then the other one is by Clay Christensen. It's competing against luck. And these are two different, two different perspectives of, of this sort of of finding your brand or company's purpose. And, and it's absolutely essential in, in business. And I want to I want to give some examples and some stories in just a second. But the first if if you start with why, then one, you're guaranteeing that you are building something worthwhile whether that is um, worthwhile for you as the business owner right it's a lot easier to grow and build and scale a business uh, that you believe in Mm -hmm. Um, but even deeper than that it's like it's way easier to market a business that is worth believing in. yes so like there's so many businesses out there and people are just tired of price shopping. You know, nobody wants to look through every possible option for web design development or video editing or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, It's exhausting to people. People don't want to do it. What people want is they want to have their needs met. They want to know their needs are going to be met when they, before they pay for something. And, they want to lead a good, happy, fulfilling life. And so if you can put your brand, if you, can, if you can build a purpose-driven brand and you can show that to people, you can actually make everyone happier. Because when someone sees an ad and you show them that you believe in, so like one of the things that our brand does a lot of is um, fighting human trafficking, right? And people see that. People see that that's something that our company is actively working towards. You know, we, we run events and we donate to nonprofits and we fundraise for, for these causes. It's just a natural part of our mar- marketing. Mm-hmm. When people see that, a lot of their concerns are irrelevant to them now because they know that as long as we're solving their needs, they know that we're also doing things that they want to support. And so marketing becomes a lot easier. But, but, but it really just it guides and, and defines your, your purpose, like your, your actions, you know?
1: Yeah, having a, having a why, having a purpose, and it, it will keep you motivated as well, but you're also you're helping other people and also giving back. So yeah. I think that's definitely an important aspect. What yeah. do you think people, what mistakes do you think people make uh, right at the start that you could help them? Out with, help them not make. Unless, but I know you said yeah. about failing, failing forward, and seeking failure. So they, <laughs> everybody needs to make them. But what is one thing that nobody needs to make that you've made?
0: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. No, yeah, you're you're always gonna make. You're always gonna you're always gonna have failures. You're always gonna make mistakes. But anytime you can learn from somebody else, do it because uh, failure is not failure is not necessary in business. Uh, it's just, it's just the best teaching tool. Yes. Um, so. So the, 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 biggest thing that I, you know, a, a huge thing. Um, is when people are starting generally, I get, when I talk to a, a new business owner, they have the idea that they need to be serving as broad a market as possible. Right. Like, like you need. I hear this all the time, like, "Oh, that there's a huge market for that," and that is such a pointless statement because, like, for instance, um, my bobblehead business, right? Uh, there is not a huge market for bobbleheads, but there's a well-defined market that I can stand out in. Yes. Right. You do not need millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year of opportunity or hundreds of billions of dollars a year of opportunity to have a good business. What you need is to have a problem that you can solve really well for a few people, and you need to be able to find and talk to those few people. It doesn't really matter how few it is. There there could be 50 people in the world who need your help, and if you're you know, if your business is structured right, then you can, you know, you can reach those 50 people and you will be much more successful than if you tried to appeal to the, the masses.
1: Yes, that's smart. And especially if that your product or service is high ticket anyway, that's enough to sustain any business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, and so the way, the way that we're telling our clients to do that is start with, start with why. So, um, and that, that brings me to my, my second point is you, you need to also remember who your competitors are. Like a lot of times we go into business and we're like, oh, like there's no competition here, right? There's nobody else is doing this. And that doesn't really matter. Um, there could be, there could be a ton of people doing exactly what you're doing. And, um, and, and it, it really, really, really doesn't matter. When, when you think about your competitors you need to think about it from your customer standpoint not from your standpoint Mm -hmm. right so like to me when I was starting my all my competitors were like other people who did um, web design other people who did branding right yeah but things change a lot when you stop and look at it from from your customer's perspective Uh, so let, let me give a really easy example is and actually I don't know how uh, maybe this isn't quite the same out in the in in Europe where driving distances aren't quite as long (laughs) in in the United States the you know when someone goes traveling we typically don't spend a lot of time trying to decide which airline to take we spend a lot of time trying to decide like okay do we fly or do we drive Mm -hmm. You know do you have that yep, do you yep. have that same sort of thing out there
1: um, no we because we're in the u k it's quite a small country. We will drive, but if we want to go to France or spain we'll we'll fly but i, I know what you mean because when I was living in in uh, maine uh, yeah. f- for about three or four months i I drove down to New York. And it was a, an eight-hour trip. Mm-hmm. It it yeah. made sense to drive, but right. I, if I was going to do an eight-hour drive anywhere in the UK, it would lead me to another country, and it doesn't make sense to drive.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so a lot of people with that faced with that eight-hour drive would be like, ah, oh, you know, should I drive or should I fly? And they're going to weigh those options in their minds, right? But an an airline like Delta is thinking of other airlines that are their competitors, right? They're thinking of frontier and Southwest and, you know, all these other airlines, but that's not their real competition, right? Their real competition is what other things are, are. It, it's, it's the other options that their customers are looking at for, to solve the same problems. Mm. And, and so like, like we, we've been working with a photographer this last little while and, Photography, uh, you know, there's a lot of people trying to to stand out in the photography market. It's a relatively saturated market, but they all look at each other as their competitors, right? These other photographers, and really, what they should be looking at is like, if I need pictures of my family. So what what we found when we dove into our competitive analysis was a lot of people are just saying, Oh, well, let's just do some like family selfies or let's just have somebody in the family has a nice camera take the pictures. Right. Mm. That's where the real, that's where the, that's where your
1: competition is. Yeah. So you've got to look at your competitors and see what they are doing that you could do a little bit differently, but also what are the, what are your customers needs, desires, what are their ways and, um, make that point of difference there
0: yes exactly exactly and then once once you've got that yeah like once you know you who your customer is so so yeah so so we we tell businesses start with why right why are you doing what you're doing and why uh from your customer's perspective like what's the job you're feeling in their life right what's what's their their why for your service and then uh and then start with who like Who do you want to work with, uh, and really dig into what their needs are, and how, like, what's their emotional state when they would most need your product, and 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 dig in there. Once you have that, it's actually really easy to build an offer, a product or service that's unique, that's different than what other people have heard. Um, So when we go through this competitive analysis process, we actually have our clients, like scour the internet so we'll like identify these competitors and then we'll have them scour the internet for what are people saying about that what are the things that they like about it what are the things that they don't like about it and we're going to use that in our messaging right we're we're going to um so for this photographer that i've already that i've already mentioned what we found for her was a lot of her clients are like there's big stress points in their lives around like finding the right colors for the photos and finding the location and wanting to make sure the photographer you know knows what they're doing and then and, and the big one was uh, having family members who weren't on board, like, you know, some of the guys in the family are like, oh, I don't want to get my picture taken. This is boring, you know. Yes. And so in her messaging, we were like, hey, you know, um, I'm a photographer who takes the stress of fan- planning family pictures off of the family. And we actually helped her set up a guide so that she actually had a way to coach these unwilling pr- photo participants through. To make it a good experience for everybody and just by handling those issues that her competitors weren't doing but that her like looking at it from the perspective of what the client needs and what their emotional needs are we were able to just package it up and she was able to she was easily able to double her prices um, and still actually stand out more from from her competitors
1: and that is the uh that is the customer proposition. That's the competitive advantage somebody would have is focusing not on the competitors, focusing on the client's needs. Right.
0: Cause as business owners, like we are in our business and that's what we see and we love talking about it. Right. We love our businesses. That's why we're, that's why we're here. And so we love talking about ourselves, but, um, our customers just don't care. And there's, there's, portions of our brain that the only thing that they do is tune out useless information. And, and if, if you are talking about yourself, that is what's going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. And how would you, what tool would you use for that uh, the customer analysis or would it just be asking, asking your potential clients what their needs and desires are and then fitting a a service to their problem
0: yeah so the the tool we would use for that is uh, it's called an avatar uh it's pretty common in in marketing if you don't have if you haven't done an audience avatar uh definitely do it before you do it you go before you do anything else in your business you know uh get get your audience avatar in place and what we're doing for that um so it's, it's just it's just about just ask yourself a bunch of questions write down all the answers that you can how we would do that is <clears throat> so so somewhere along the way you had this idea for this product or service even if you're doing this like you should before you even, even sold your first you know product or anything um and and you intuitively know some things about your audience and so just asking yourself a lot of questions and asking it with someone in mind is going to be really helpful. So like we, we tell our, we tell our clients to, to think about your favorite client that you've ever worked with and use them to answer all of these questions. But where you you really want to dig into all of their, all of the emotions around the problem that they're having. Um, what is the biggest pain point in their life? What embarrasses them? What humiliates them? What makes them happy? What, um, you know, and, and if, uh, if it's helpful, I'd be happy to make our little worksheet available to anybody who's, who's listening to this, any of your podcast listeners. But um, we have a whole bunch of questions that we'll walk through to make sure that we're really identifying the emotions that our prospects have around our product or service.
1: Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. And thank you for uh, offering to help them work out what their customer avatar is but what what's important there and what you mentioned is everything that involves them on an, an emotional level that's the most important part that i got out of that yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah lots of people want to target based off of demographics right like i <laughs> asked somebody what's your target market and they tell me you know uh 40 40 to 50 year old <laughs> women in this geographic area and i'm like um no that's so limiting that's so limiting because sure and and we'll use this when we advertise right when we advertise we will go we'll try to fit people into a box where where the people we reach are going to be the most likely to have our problems and so we'll use ages and and geography and that sort of thing but in your messaging you really like in your inbound marketing you really 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 want to keep it you don't want to limit by by demographics limit by pain points and and emotional needs and that's what you're going to message base off of yeah amazing
1: yeah yeah. and your your copywriting and all the content can all fit into that as well you're 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 answering their pain points and objections yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so for for instance i have a client who does um uh he's really really cool actually i'm really really renowned He, he handles foot pain right he's he's does custom orthotics and custom made footwear that actually will solve all sorts of joint issues. And it, he's actually, he's doing really amazing work. Most people who he works with are older, right? Because most people start to have foot pain later in their lives, Not everybody, but, but not everybody, a lot of the people he's worked with have had these problems since they were children. And so if he starts marketing, like a lot of people are going to say, you know, niche down or whatever, If you niche down based off of demographics, you are severely limiting yourself and you're not really getting that much value out of it. When you niche, you should niche down around a specific problem, not a specific industry or a specific uh, demographic.
1: Yeah, I have never heard that one before. So so niche down around the problem because then you've got, you could be reaching somebody that's 18 or somebody that's 81 with the same emotional stress in their life that you could. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's right. That's Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, when they talk about niching down, they say, you know, you should just serve dentists or real estate agents, but if you could, so for instance, if, you know, if I was, so one, one of my mentors uh, was a copywriter, Right. he he started out as a as a copywriter, and s- the conventional wisdom would have been, you know, go and niche down to be a copywriter for dentists. Mm-hmm. But he said, actually, I'm going to niche down and be a copywriter for businesses that are um, developing CRMs right or marketing automation tools. And now he he can work with dentists or he can work with real estate agents, but a lot more he's going to be able to help a lot higher percentage of people who are building building out uh, CRMs or marketing automation systems. He's going to be able to help a lot a lot higher percentage of those people are going to need his help than a percentage of dentists or real estate agents that needs
1: help, you know. Yes, yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, you you just help a a wider range of people when you are fixing a a mass problem.
0: Right. Well, and and you know, whether or not it's more people, you know, maybe maybe the number of dentists and the number of people needing CRMs is identical, in you know in whatever market yeah, he's in. But so even if it's size aside, right, whether it's bigger or smaller, it's much more well-defined.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well-defined, okay. So um, I think we've covered a lot there and we've probably ran over our, our one hour mark. So thank you for sharing actionable steps and strategies and tools that you use. And um, yeah, I think we covered a lot more than I thought. And thanks for sharing. I, I do have one random question. For you, and that's if, if you could eat with anyone in the world from any place in the world, where would you be? Who would you meet? And what would you cook them?
0: All right. So is this a uh, do they have to be alive now? Is this a past, present, future?
1: Past, present, future.
0: So it can be any any time in, in history. Yes. Um you know. For for me, it is it's George Washington. Uh, he's he's an absolute hero of mine, and uh, I, I have a, a ton of respect for the guy and his his leadership ability, and for his ability to have turned down power when he had the the opportunity for it. I really admire that, you know. Uh, and then any place in the world, yes. is that's that's tricky I don't know maybe maybe I would um, maybe I'd take him to to his estate he could tell me about his his life and that sort of thing that'd be really interesting but the one I would cook is easy um, it's uh, peanut butter curry what I have, peanut, <laughs> I have a peanut butter curry recipe that is to die for and I absolutely love it and actually everyone who tries it loves it so Chris, if you ever make it out to, uh, if you ever make it out to Utah. Well, I, yeah,
1: I think I will. Um, I, I, I'm sure I know somebody else who's from Utah. So um, I'll be me. I'll definitely uh, come over that way, but I won't be driving. I'll be flying. <laughs>
0: that well, makes th- sense.
1: Yes. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And it's great to talk and listen to an expert in his field. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that could take away, a lot from you today so if they wanted to get in touch with you how can they do that after the call yeah <clears throat> um absolutely uh so
0: you you can go to our website it's ducimus.digital d-u-c-i-m-u-s dot digital d-i-g-i-t-a-l and you know you, you can you can always look us up and find us that way um our our website's getting a major revamp, rehaul right now. We've proven our new messaging. You know, we we shifted markets a little bit a few months ago. We've proven our new messaging, and we're we're totally redoing everything. Um, but uh, yeah, go and go and find us there. Um, I still use the uh, the social media marketing tactic that I just explained here. You can so you can always find me on. Uh, a bunch of different social media networks. One of them most active on is Facebook. So you can just find me, John Batty. Um, you'll recognize me. My profile has has our brand colors in it, and so you'll you'll recognize me there. And like you know, if if you flip through the profile, you'll know it's me um, because because of all the stuff I talk about, the content I produce.
1: So thank you, John, again. And um, I I kept saying last question, last question, last question, but it ended up being three or four. But this this is final. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, John, for sharing your expertise on e-commerce branding and marketing today. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe, follow, share it with somebody else that you think would take value from this episode. But for now, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you next week.